you just have to admire Jesus' patience. Oh yes, he's God. Yes, he possesses all the wisdom of his Father. Still, the patience Jesus had with his apostles was astounding. And I'm very grateful for it because it is the same quality that Jesus extends to me, to every single one of you, and to every human being. Patience, after all, is really what? It's an expression of mercy that helps us to grow in faith. We see an example of Jesus' patience in the very opening line of the gospel, the Apostle John addressed Jesus as teacher. Now, in and of itself, this would have been a respectable title for someone who had little or no exposure to Jesus' ministry, teaching, miracles. For John, however, the title teacher was woefully insufficient. Actually, it was almost insulting. Now remember, John and the others were graced to heal the sick, cast out demons, doing so solely by their personal relationship with the Lord. They were graced to preach, again, solely through their personal relationship with Jesus. John was one of only three that were permitted to witness Jesus' divine nature in the mystery of the transfiguration, to witness Jesus speak with Elijah and Moses, and to even hear the voice of the Father through the clouds. With all that was teacher, the best title John could come up with? Really? Now, why was the Lord so patient with John? Well, why is he patient with us? The scriptures give us two hints. Last week's gospel, you might recall, showed Jesus bringing a little child into the midst of the apostles. The child represents the incredible potential to be of service to the family. But it is a potential that must be loved, shaped, disciplined, honed, and refined to bear the greatest fruit. The second hint comes from the letter of James. An unpleasant fact that we must accept, although modern man makes every effort to deny it or minimize it, is that we are fallen creatures and our fallen nature instinctively drives us to serve the self. With only a little reflection, one cannot help but recognize this truth. And James's letter points out what we all know about ourselves, what the Lord knows about us, that we will expend so much of our time and our energy to acquire wealth, power, prestige, our hobbies, whatever it may be, even though we know at some level it is the common fate of all of us that we leave it all behind when we die. We fall for the temptation, for example, that if we just work hard enough, if we save enough, if we invest wisely, if we sacrifice time with the spouse, with children, with our friends, we'll get ahead of the game. 
And all those sacrifices we tell ourselves, it'll all be worth it. It will all be worth it when we get to the real goal. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with working hard, striving to be successful, help make our families comfortable. Nothing wrong with that. The danger is our fallen nature will never be satiated. We always want more. And when we get it, we want what? More. The naked truth, James tells us, is that in the end, quote, your wealth has rotted away. Your clothes have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. What have we succeeded in doing over such a lifetime? According to James, you have fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. What does that mean? It means we are going to stand before God after a lifetime of neglecting the dignity of our humanity, the dignity of others, neglecting our potential and the potential of others as we allow being made in the love and image of God to be sacrificed for things that cannot save us. We allowed things to become our gods. Now Jesus knows this aspect of our fallen nature. He knows how easily we fall for the illusion and still he lovingly and patiently tries to guide us. Now, John should have addressed Jesus as Lord, not teacher. But the point is that despite all that John was graced to do, all that he saw, he simply wasn't ready. Like Peter, like us, John was thinking like human beings do fallen human beings. And the child that Jesus brought into the midst of his apostles, who Jesus put his arms around, was a reminder to the apostles and a reminder to us of the potential his father sees in every human being despite our fallen nature. And that John was given all the apostles were given, and each of us is given all the graces we need to see the potential in ourselves and others. In short, to begin to think like God and allow that potential to direct us to grow in our relationship with the Lord and with each other, to become all we are created to be, and help others become what they were created to be. This is why the Lord was so stern when he warned the apostles, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. What is the sin that Jesus speaks of? To beat someone down so much they do not see the potential that God has given them. And while Jesus was indeed specifically referring to the child he was embracing at that particular moment, he was also transforming that child into a symbol of all who would come to faith in him. Faith is not a one-shot deal. Faith is a process of growth and development because faith emerges from, it points to, 
an ongoing, deepening relationship with Jesus who loves us just as he loved those clueless apostles. Faith is the assurance that God sees all the potential within us, even if we cannot see it in ourselves or in others, and that his grace can overcome the obstacles we encounter in fulfilling that potential. Jesus, using excessive exaggeration, warns his disciples for all time to take great care in preserving the grace of faith and help others to preserve their faith. No thing, no person, no political ideology should be allowed to become more important than one's relationship with Jesus. And he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Jesus is not advocating that we literally cut off body parts. What he is advocating is that we rid ourselves of whatever, whoever, would draw us away from him. Because it is through our relationship with him that everything and everyone in our lives finds its proper place, its proper role in our lives. Why is Jesus so patient with us? He sees all we are capable of becoming, even if we don't. And it is in the nature of divine love to be patient, very patient. Thank God.